0: Sunday Showcase, highlighting some of the best audio storytelling found anywhere. All right here on the Mutual Audio Network.
1: The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Welcome back to Mutual Presents. Arrgh, I'm Captain Jack Ward, right here with my first mate for your passage to yesteryear, Penny the Cat. This week from the swell on the howd, you can tell we're back to the voyage of the Scarlet Queen. Our double feature includes Huntsman's Quarry and the Dead Chinese, and the Green Tourist and the Temple Bell. So let's wind back those clocks and start the show. Arr.
0: Philip Queen, Philip Carney, master. Position 20 degrees 35 minutes north, 110 degrees 40 minutes east. Sky fair, wind fresh. Remarks Departed Quang Chowan after involvement by foreign interests. Reason for involvement Huntsman's Quarry and the Dead Chinese.
2: You know, ladies and gentlemen, someone once said humor's the true democracy. That's why we in America can smile when we tell the stories of the legendary heroes who helped build our country's great industries and institutions. Even an industry like transcontinental transportation has its hero. Windwagon Smith, born on the prairie when transportation was just beginning. Of course, transportation then wasn't anything like it is today. There were no jet-propelled planes, no racing cars capable of going over 400 miles an hour, or trains that could cross the country in a little over two days. Most of the traveling in the early days was done by ox team, and if folks covered 15 miles a day, they were doing good. That's what Wind Wagon Smith wanted to change when he showed up with his prairie clipper. The clipper was a wagon without any kind of animals to pull it, but it had a sail sticking up from the middle of it. When the wind caught the sail, the clipper took off, and Wind Wagon Smith figured he could cover as much as 70 miles a day. At first, people laughed at him, but when he pointed out how the new country was spreading out and how big cities would be springing up and how people would need transportation for themselves and their goods... They began to figure that maybe the Prairie Clipper was a good idea at that. Windwagon invited the U.S. Secretary of War and the Secretary of the Navy to ride on the Clipper's maiden voyage. But disaster struck. The Clipper got out of control, the Secretary of War rolled out, and the Secretary of the Navy landed in a cactus patch. But Windwagon and his Clipper kept going. No one ever saw the Clipper again, and as transportation grew in America, people all over the country told of seeing Winwagon Smith. He was in the pilot house of the first steamboat to sail up the Yellowstone. He held a golden spike when the first transcontinental railroad was completed. And when the first transcontinental plane roared out of Kansas City, it was Winwagon Smith, the spirit of American transportation, who waved the pilot on his way. Yes, it is a democracy which lets us tell stories of our industries, institutions, and legendary heroes with a twinkle in our eyes and a chuckle in our throats. And as so long as we continue to laugh together as a people, we will live together as a nation. Thank you very much.
0: Three days after we'd reached Fort Bayard, Port City for the tiny French settlement of Quangchon, we started to work under our new charter with Kang and the China Traders. The first cargo consigned to us was native cloth, metalware, and a half-hold of rice, all bound for Berea and the markets of Saigon. We waited two days for the cargo to arrive and be put aboard, and our leisure hours, which were few and always after dark, Gallagher and I spent in a bar a few blocks up from the waterfront. It was named the Liverpool, owned and served by a crown subject named Danny, and it boasted passable liquor and a dwindling library of ancient British phonograph records. It was about 9 p.m. after a few of those leisure hours on the eve of our planned departure that Gallagher and I swung down the dock toward the Queen, looking forward to comfortable bunks and the feel of deep water the next day. I missed seeing Gordon, who'd been on gangway watch when we left. As we went aboard, I was rehearsing some strong words to use and dressing him down. But his watchmate, Kohler, hove up from the shadows of the cabin. The look on his face put an end to any thoughts of discipline. There's been trouble, Captain. Where's Gordon? In the forecastle. He's all right now, but somebody laid a club across his head. Who was it? What happened, Kohler? I don't know. We heard two shots, and I ran back here and saw a guy jump off the ship. Gordon was lying here, and when I found out he was still kicking, I looked in your cabin. There's a dead guy in there didn't look any closer. And so Mutual continues The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen, written by Gil Dowd and Bob Tallman, and starring Elliot Lewis. As every week, we sail a league farther on The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen. Never seen the dead man before. He was Chinese. Gordon had let him come aboard because he'd identified himself as a clerk from the French firm whose cargo he had. He'd carried a small leather valise and said he had final papers for me to sign. The other man had arrived 15 minutes later, and Gordon was slugged before he could count five. Gallagher and I frisked the body. Clutched in one hand was a German made automatic, unfired. And the other was a note that named him Tai Fung Tan. That still left him a stranger, but the note in English was the kind that police anywhere like to ask questions about. It said, Go at once to the American ship Scarlet Queen. It's the quickest available means of escape. Use your own judgment as to the price you'll pay for passage. And it was unsigned. Captain! I rolled it into a ball and put it into an inside pocket.
3: Captain, there's a police officer asking to board.
0: Yeah, that's all we need. They usually go with murder, even in Fort Byard. Okay, Kohler, let him come. I'm keeping that note out of sight, Ren. Right okay, we don't know anything. That's no lie, but maybe without that link we can get clear of this mess in time to sail.
4: Right. Monsieur, I represent the
0: Prefect of Police. I can see your uniform, and I don't think much of the way you protect the harbor.
4: Ah, oh, it is truly him. Mm. Uh, monsieur, I commend you. You are to be congratulated.
0: Uh, congratulated. What do you mean, officer? Uh,
4: you see in this corpse, the end of a long and fruitless trail, monsieur. This man was the most desirable criminal in kwakchuan You have done us a great service.
3: Yeah.
4: I can show my thanks now only by the speed in which I remove the unpleasant thing from your ship. Two natives have come with me to carry away the corpse. Uh, pardon. Mm-hmm. Enter, ta tingo. Uh, Monsieur, it is my pleasure to tell you that there is a reward which now rightfully is yours.
0: Yeah, well, I'll be satisfied just to get him off of here and never hear another thing about it.
4: Oh, you have done the great service. Thank you. I will not spare one word in my report to say my admiration for you. That's very kind of you. Bonsoir, monsieur.
0: Bonsoir. Gallagher and I looked at one another after they'd left with the body shook our heads. Finally shrugged and got ready to hit the sack. I pulled open the big drawer under my bunk to get dungarees and a jumper ready for our early morning sailing. Discovered that we still weren't clear of the Typhoon Tan situation. His valise was in the drawer. It was lightly packed with personal gear for travel, a thick bundle of French currency, and at the bottom face down was the thing that made me decide, since we seemed to be so popular with the local law, that I'd take the whole thing down to headquarters. It was a large photograph of a white man with a black patch over his left eye. He was sprawled on the floor, his head and shoulders resting in a dark pool that flowed from a point in his throat where the hilt of a native knife protruded. Twenty minutes later, Red and I walked into the office of the prefect of police. Uh, you in charge here tonight, and do you speak English?
3: Oui, monsieur. Uh, What is it you wish? I'm
0: Philip Carney, master of the catch Scarlet Queen. One of your men took a body off my ship tonight. This valise belonged to him. We thought we'd better bring it down. Here Pardon, monsieur? The Chinese criminal that was killed tonight. You guys were looking for him. There was a reward posted for him. Uh, S'il vous plaît, uh, do not speak with such rapidity. Perhaps I uh, do not comprehend. Look, a Chinese, Tai Fung Tan. He was a criminal, a desirable criminal. Tonight he was shot on my ship. One of your officers got the body.
3: Right, look at today's report. Yeah. Labrie, fire, accident. You must make a mistake mistake. No one is killed tonight. I know of no criminal
0: typhoon. Well, wake up. It happened a couple of hours ago. Your officer left with the body about one hour ago. Where would he take it?
3: He would bring it to this building, monsieur. This is uh, perhaps a
5: trick, no?
0: Yeah, maybe it is. Never mind, officer. The police. Put it in your lost and found. If the owner calls for it, don't bother to let me know. Come on, Red. Oui, monsieur. Uh, Bonsoir, monsieur. Bonsoir. Hey, Skipper, what goes on with these stupid people? They got rocks in the head. I don't know, mate. If they want to ignore murder, it's all right with me. Come on, let's shove off. Right. After one more at the Liverpool... Back again, Mikeys? Let stay away, Danny. That music that lured us back. Yes, a bit of the aisles doesn't hurt now and again. Uh, the same? Yeah, neat. With a dash of bitters to kill the taste. Yes, I've seen better chaps than you so come before Danny's mixing.
5: <laughs> oh, uh, hey, our
0: mateys. And may you have the luck of the Irish that's behind you. Rebellious souls that they be. <laughs> Here's to them, Danny. <laughs> right, Danny. Blimey, it's a toast that shouldn't be drunk. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Red and I looked at the bottoms of our empty glasses I think we both realized the difference of taste at the same time The bitters Danny had shaken in were more than bitters They were the same knockout drops they serve in Memphis, Corpus Christi, or Seattle I wondered why it had to be us in Fort Bayard, Quang Chow, and I found Danny swimming a few feet down the bar looking at me strangely out of eyes that opened and closed slowly. me, it's a toast that shouldn't be drunk. I tried to get a grip on Red's arm so we could get off our stools together. I got a hold of it. I couldn't move my legs. Gallagher was twins, gaping rubberly at me. Skip, Skip. This,
5: this drink, they've, they've
0: really slipped, slipped this one. one. The room went into a 45-degree roll of starboard. Stayed there for a second, and sailed away, leaving me buried in something that was gray and sick and made my head ache. Then it turned black, and I didn't feel any. the stairway to no place. And I got them separated. I knew there was somebody else's. I must have stirred because they moved toward me and stopped. I looked at him bending over me. I decided I must still be unconscious. He had a black patch over his left eye. The rest of the face was pulpy and marked by dissipation, but I recognized him as the man in the photograph. a man sprawled on the floor with a knife in his throat. Come on,
3: Carney. Keep your eyes open. I waited long enough for you.
0: Uh, seeing you that stopped me. Come on, come on. Get your wits about you. Or was that a picture of your twin?
3: Uh, you do have the photograph. Good. Where is it, Carney? No, wait a
0: minute. Wait a minute, will you?
3: Here. Here, I'll
0: help you up. Yeah.
3: You'll feel better moving around. Yeah?
0: The dope drink. What was that for?
3: I wanted to get you out of the way so I could search your ship for the photograph. Search
0: my ship, huh? Hope you had a good time.
3: I didn't get aboard. Your ship and the dock are crawling with police.
0: A couple of hours too late, aren't they? Look, you better get out of here before I feel any better than I do now. If you don't, you're going to look deader than you did in that picture. Listen,
3: Carney. I managed a plantation for a firm at Saigon. The richest plantation in French Indochina. You should have stayed there. A rival concern had been trying to force us out. They wrote my employer that I mistreated the natives. That they hated me. Refused to work for me.
0: Skip, I want the devils always. So try to get up and move around, Red. It helps. Listen to me,
3: Connie. Make their stories ring true, they drugged me and took that fake photograph. Showed that I'd been murdered. So that one of their own men could take my place. Connie,
0: I've got to have that footage. Yeah, yeah, you said that. You did a fair job, but you could have used more time. Your story stinks. Come on, Red. If you can make it, we will leave. I can make it, all
3: right. Don't try to leave this room,
0: Connie. What? Look, the gun doesn't scare me either. You want the picture, don't you? I won't stop at anything to get it. Then you better not get trigger-happy with me. I can't think of anyone else who knows where it is. I sail at dawn. Check with me then. Maybe we'll talk business.
3: I'll be watching you till then, Carney. Don't forget that.
0: You know, that might not have worked, Skipper. What did we do to rate this, and what is it? Come on, Rick. We're going to check his story on the police guarding the Queen. If it's true, we're going back to the Liverpool and start knocking some teeth down Danny's throat. <laughs> I guess Danny figured we'd be back to thank him for the drink. He's got to stand-in at the bar. Yeah. Hey, you. Where's Danny?
5: Oh, Mr. Danny, he's in the Lomb.
0: That door's straight back. Oh, yes. Mr. Danny, here
5: now. Come on, Red. Danny, what are you... Oh,
4: it's you. Bonsoir, monsieur. This time, I do not represent the prefect of police
0: voice and the face were the same, but his costume this time was a neat white linen suit and a straw hat instead of a police uniform. And his effect was changed slightly by the French-made star automatic pistol in his right hand.
4: You will answer for me a few questions. I will, huh? You are with Frederick Huntsman. Huntsman? Yes. Where is he now? We don't
0: know. We didn't even know his name, but whoever he was, we left him in his room.
4: Did you give this photograph to him?
0: Hardly. People get killed over that thing. I'll tell you the same thing I told him. We know where it is and nobody else does. That's the way it's going to stay, because with it out of sight, we don't think we'll get the belly full of slugs that Huntsman gave the Chinaman.
4: Your logic, it is good. But it is strange that uh, you say that Huntsman killed him when it was really I who did. Let's get
0: it straight,
3: huh? Oh,
4: but, monsieur, why should Huntsman kill him when it was Huntsman who sent him to your ship to buy passage? So he could take the photograph to Saigon.
0: I think you and Huntsman are talking about two different things. Why don't you get together and work it out?
4: That I intend to do. Monsieur, it is obvious that Huntsman's words to you were false.
0: It's no news to us.
4: Also, it is highly possible that uh, we three are approaching a friendly understanding.
0: Yeah, with that gun looking at us,
4: it's a cinch. Oh, I am sorry. But it is my business to be suspicious. Monsieur... Frederick Huntsman is attempting to extort hundreds of thousands of francs from my company. I have been assigned the duty of stopping his plans. Yeah,
0: he's got a story about a company. Oh so.
4: wait, Monsieur, the employees of most of the big rubber plantations in this part of the world are insured by my company. Huh? Huntsman is, and he also has a large personal policy. The beneficiary of both is his wife.
5: Yeah.
4: Now, what do you think of that photograph? Proof of death, no? so that Huntsman and his wife could disappear a few hundred thousand francs richer. Here, monsieur, my credentials and identification. Georges Dumier is my name.
0: Yeah.
4: See, Red? Things finally make
0: sense, even in Guangchown. Yeah, but a funny kind of sense for that poor
5: Chinaman.
4: Poor Chinaman? Oh, pardon. Huntsman paid him well to go to Saigon with the story that he was an eyewitness to the murder. I had to shoot him... He drew his weapon on me to resist, as he thought, arrest. Oh, but Captain, I apologize for the striking of your crewmen and the subterfuge of the police uniform to get the body so I could search it.
0: Oh, forget it, Dumier. I wish you a lot of luck. I hope you get him.
4: Oh, I think the possibilities are very good. Since now I have you with which to bait the trap.
0: What are you talking about? We've got enough of this, Dumie. We just want to get out of here. We're leaving at dawn.
4: I am thinking of you, monsieur. I am afraid that your failure to cooperate would be classed as uh, obstructing the course of justice. A charge like that would, of course, delay your sailing, and we do not want that, do we, Monsieur?
0: That's a tough one to answer. You strike a quick, hot bargain, don't you? Okay. What do we do?
4: That is better. There is one place where huntsmen will follow you. That is to your ship. If you will allow that, I will arrive soon after he does. But right now, I will go and lead the police away from your ship.
0: Yeah, I'd like to know what they're doing around the Queen
4: anyway. Oh, oh, they are only looking for one who struck one of their members behind the ear, took from him his uniform, and left him hiding so modestly in the shadows. (laughs) Say, dear monsieur, they are looking for me.
5: (laughs)
0: really knew his business, because by the time we reached the dock, it was clear of police. The rest of the plan went all right, too. I sent all watches below. Red and I went to my cabin. Ten minutes later, Huntsman walked aboard. He was carrying his gun, but he walked hopefully and innocently into our trap.
3: Captain, I want to talk to you.
0: That's when I made my mistake.
3: Hello, Huntsman. Wait a minute. What did you say? Where'd you learn my name? Uh, from Dan. That's a lie. He didn't know my name. Move over in front of the cabin door, both of you. I haven't come this far to be stopped by anyone who stumbled into me. Stumbled into you? I don't remember looking you up.
0: Who knows I followed you here? How the devil should I know? Maybe half the town, maybe more. <laughs> Who'd you tell? Wait. Listen. Who's that? I don't know. Who knows I'm here? Nobody be sneaking up on you making that much noise. Don't try to call.
4: Oh, Captain. Captain Carney Is he in there with you? Yea. Captain.
0: I better answer him. Yeah. Tell him
3: if he lets you and your chief officer take me out, so I can get away, I won't kill either of you.
0: Otherwise, I will.
4: Captain. All right. Captain, answer me. Yeah, he's
0: here. He says if you'll let us bring him out, he won't kill us.
4: It is no bargain, Captain. I cannot see him from any of the portholes. I would have to shoot him from the door. Don't move, Carney. Do you hear me, Captain? I am coming in to kill him now.
3: I warn you both, don't try anything.
4: Monsieur, I come now. No, I warn you!
0: As Red and I hit the deck, Dumier walked jauntily into the cabin. His automatic flashing at his hip. His first shot found home, but he never stopped moving forward until he was a foot away from Huntsman. Watching his nerveless fingers drop the gun dying body melt to the deck.
4: My company will be very angry he is dead. Is that all you can think about? That was the craziest play I've ever seen in my life.
0: Yeah, that's liable to get dangerous sometimes.
4: Oh, certainly. But when I looked aboard the first time quietly, I found everything bad. So I came aboard and scared him half to death with my kindness.
0: Yeah, well, you can have that approach to me. Eh? It's not for me.
4: Oh, but he is dead. Too bad.
0: Yeah, what does happen when a guy is trying to defraud your insurance company and is killed by you, the investigator working on the case?
4: Oh, we have a suicide clause. There is no payment. I told Huntsman I was going to kill him, and he did not surrender. That certainly is a form of suicide. My company would be very angry if it were anything else. <laughs>
0: Huntsman's body had been taken ashore, and we cleared the tiny harbor of Fort Bayard in the face of a fresh breeze sweeping out from the mainland. And to make the hatches were covered and snug over our first cargo. We had a place to go, and the crewmen jumped to their stations to give us the sail that would take make us there. The, chief, make the mainsail swept up into the gray morning sky. The jibs rolled out. Then the mizzen. And the Scarlet Queen leaned into her new job with a will that sent the spray flying from her bow. Is she fair with the new weight in her skipper? Handles it like it's nothing. (laughs) This girl is made for cargo work. Now, for all concerned, I hope she gets plenty of it. Where are we bound? Maria? Yep. Not much of a port, but maybe we'll find something to do. Oh, I was afraid you'd say that. What's the matter, Red? Not enough excitement for you? Oh, enough to keep me glad to be alive and sail in a ship like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's never taken us into any place that she hasn't taken us out of. Just so that doesn't change. <laughs> Here, Skipper. To the Queen. To the Scarlet Queen. After you, mate. After you. <laughs> Entry The Catch Scarlet Queen, 5 30 p.m. Wind brisk, sky overcast, mainsail and mizzen reefed, ship secure for night. Signed, Philip Carney, Master. Queen stars Elliot Lewis as Phil Carney with Ed Max as Gallagher. And tonight featured Rolf Sedan as Dumais with Frank Gerstle as Huntsman and Ben Wright as Danny. Music scored and conducted by Richard Aurant. The Scarlet Queen produced by James Burton is written by Gil Dowd and Bob Tallman. This program came to you from Hollywood (laughs) catch Scarlet Queen, Philip Carney Master. Position 10 degrees 20 minutes north, 107 degrees 45 minutes east. Sky fair, wind fresh. Remarks, departed Baria after losing two passengers. Reason for loss, the green tourist and the temple bell. Of Baria swelters 10 degrees above the equator on the southern coast of the leg of land that holds French Indochina. An hour spent there is too long, but I've known unscheduled ships like the Scarlet Queen to lay there for months before a cargo materialized out of the dilapidated warehouses that fringe the muddy, unkempt harbor. But due to our connection with the China traders, we were there only three days before we started loading a cargo of supplies for our company's trading station at Fort Moresby, New Guinea. And not two hours after the whine of our winches and the swing of our cargo boom started to tell the harbor that we'd be headed out soon, two Americans arrived to buy passage across the China Sea to British North Borneo. Uh, Captain
5: Carney? Yeah. My
0: name is Matthias, Captain. Edmund Matthias. Oh, yeah. China Trader's Office told us to expect you, sir. This is my son, Stanley. i ah, glad to know you, Stan. Thanks, Captain. Mighty happy to be aboard. They were easy people to know. By nightfall, when we were loaded and only waiting for the dawn tide to sail, we were sharing our laughs and hopes with them and had learned that theirs was a journey of leisure after years in Nevada spent dreaming about the wonders and glory of the Orient. I was in my cabin that evening making a final check of my bills of lading and my chief mate Gallagher had taken San and his father up into town for a final drink. I got to the end of my list and was halfway into a fresh jumper when I heard feet hit the gangway and then the deck. <laughs> Gallagher, what's the matter?
5: It's a kid, Stan. He
0: didn't show right, up. Take it easy. Show up where? He took a powder on the way up, said he'd meet us at a bar at eight. Yeah, what's well, it's oh, ten now. We just got word that he was wandering into the native section on the waterfront all by himself. His old man's going nuts. Where is the old man? Waiting for us in the bar. We'd better get back up there, Skipper, but no place for a green kid like Stan. Yeah. Break out a couple of 45s or Ed, we'll go look for him. <laughs> And so Mutual continues The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen, written by Gil Dowd and Bob Tolman and starring Elliot Lewis. The Scarlet Queen, proudest ship to plow the seas, bound for uncharted adventure. Every week, a complete entry in the log, and every week a league further in the Voyage of the Scarlet Queen. taking care of himself. Uh, Captain Carney, thank heaven you've come. Yeah, i will be all right now. Oh, there are so many things that could have happened. He isn't used to things like this back in Nevada. He wouldn't
3: be gone this long if something weren't yeah, wrong. Well, we'll find him, Mr. No, Marshal. the first thing you've got to do is stop your imagination. I only wish it were imagination, but I know my son. He promised to meet us here over two hours ago, and he hasn't arrived yet. I know that nothing but an accident, or... I know that nothing would detain Stan
0: if he could help it. What shall I do, Captain? What shall I do? Now, first try to calm down. I'm sorry, but you must know how I feel. Oh, sure I do. Now, who told you that they'd seen Stan, and what kind of a line did they give you? Oh, it was one of the natives that worked at the hotel. He said he'd seen Stan at the end of Bejrabori,
3: the street where the native bars are, and the gambling dens, and I don't know what else... He said
0: Stan joined the crowd of men gathered in front of the Temple of the Apsaresis. That was more than an hour before he was to meet us here. What is this Temple of the Apsaresis, do you know? Well, Well, it belongs to a cult, I believe, rather than a recognized religion. Beyond that, I know nothing. Captain, if I have allowed anything to happen to my son, I I don't know what I'd say. I don't know what I'd do. Okay, okay, Mr. Mazzai. Take him back to the ship, Red. No, no, Captain Carney. I can't sit there and do nothing. With that calamity approach of yours, you aren't doing any good here. But, Captain... Never mind. You got the obituary all written. If he does have to be in trouble, it doesn't have to be any worse than being stiff from too big a load of native grog. Now... Go on with Red and stay aboard. I'll see you later. I was thinking that I ought to stick with you, Skipper. Two's better than one. I'm not going alone, Red. I'm going up to the China trader's office and check with Lin T. Shen. He's been in Bury long enough to know every corner in it. Oh, my visitor is you, Captain Carter. I'm sorry to bother you at this time of night, Lin Ti Shen. One time is like the other... There's no bother. One of my passengers is missing, the young one, Stanley Matthias. Went to Bejra Buri Street. Could be happy on that street, but since he is Occidental, only briefly, I think. Well, I'm going down to look for him. It would be my honor to go with you, oh, Oh, Incidentally, he was seen by a native in front of the temple of the Apsaresis. Then, Captain, it is my misfortune to tell you that your concern is well-founded. It is a place of evil, asking the benevolent forgiveness of my ancestors. We will go there that you may see. Bejraburi was an uncomfortable, jumbled street, lined by crowded buildings hiding their interiors behind shattered windows and curtained doors. Mixed with the reek of its humanity was the stench of the harbor along which it stretched, and into which went its refuse including some of the men who came there and were never seen again. It was an ugly street. So ugly that the beauty of the temple at the end of it was a shock. Orange flame flickered from two massive female statues. The temple of the Apsaresis gave the immediate impression of evil and yet beauty. The columns that supported the roof were more massive female figures. Carvings on the heavy doors that guarded the unseen interior carried out the same theme. Before this door, a woman danced. Behind her stood three more, swaying slowly back and forth, one of them chanting, the other two adding the music of native instruments. Ling Ti Chen and I stood for a while at the edge of a scattered crowd of silent, almost hypnotized native men. Then he pulled me back into the shadows. You have been cursed, Captain, by viewing the temple of Absarcese. It is the renewal in the form of a cult of an ancient legend that is told in the stone carvings on the temples of Prahan. What's behind it? What does it mean? The legend tells that the Apsaresis were creatures of great beauty, half human, half deity, who were sent by gods to lead astray those mortals whose lives were without sin, and so prevent overcarding in heaven. Hmm. This audience tonight doesn't seem so saintly. Or aren't the creatures so particular these days? I know only this many strangers to Baria have entered the temple and have not returned. But I have not before heard of an Occidental whose mind was ready to receive the message of the Apsaresis. You wait here, Captain. I will find one of the watchers to speak with and perhaps learn more. Lin Chen joined the entranced crowd. I was left alone. Listening to the monotonous chant. Watching the monotonous gyrations of the dancer. The atmosphere was something between a dream and actuality. It didn't make sense, but there I was, faced by the ceremony. For a moment, it didn't seem too strange that young Stan Mathias might have been caught and drawn in. I didn't realize that Ling Ti Chen was back until he tapped me on the shoulder. Captain, but. Oh, what'd you find out? He entered the temple. I ache with sadness to tell you. But how about the French officials? Would they help? They are most cautious. To them, sorcery as well as religion retains a dignity. They do not interfere.
5: Yeah.
0: Captain Kearney, I fear that any warning I might give you would be heard only by your ears. Yeah, I'm afraid that's right. My mind is ready to receive the message of the Upsari Seas. Thanks for the warning anyway, Lane. 20 minutes after Ling Ti Chen left at the chanting stop. I moved up through the crowd to catch any cues that were thrown to the Chosen who were to be allowed entrance into the temple of Apsaresis. The first move was easy. A massive door swung open on an interior dimly lit by more flickering flame. I followed the seven or eight natives who moved forward in response to the appeals and gestures of the women. Two of the natives were turned back after brief questioning that I didn't understand. When the hostesses saw me, I caught the quick glances that snapped between them. One of them stopped me just outside the door.
5: What
6: you want? I
0: want to go in the temple.
6: You don't belong here. You go. I don't belong
0: here, all right? I don't want to go in.
6: You belong, Paria? No. What do you want?
0: I want the other man like me. He came in before.
6: You don't belong I come. want to
0: find him. I go in if I have to burn the temple down.
6: You don't belong here. You want come, you come. You don't belong here.
0: The look she gave me was entirely different from the sultry looks the natives were getting. The big doors swung shut as we entered the narrow hallway. It was bathed in an orange glow from the flames, permeated by incense smoke that swirled up from the fire urns.
5: From
0: the fascinated expressions of the men, there must have been great promise in the words from the woman who spoke. We followed them eagerly across the hallway. The door was open. Silently, we obeyed their gestures and entered the room beyond. The door clicked shut. But the women stayed outside. I didn't know whether the others heard it or not, but I did. A bar slid quietly across the door, locking us in. This room, too, was lighted by a pair of fire urns, but the odor here was different. Still incense, but mixed with it a thickly sweet smell that tingled a little in the nostrils. Made itself felt deeper in the throat. It was so subtle that I hardly noticed what was happening. It was almost pleasant. So that when I did realize I couldn't make myself care enough to fight it, or to worry about it, or to worry about Stan Matthias, or to even wish that I was someplace else, I lay down on the floor with my fellow dreamers, staring at the ceiling, smiling, and breathing deeply until I couldn't see the ceiling anymore. And then I floated away, floated away. was bad until I remembered what I'd come for and became aware of what was going on in the room.
5: Yes. We go. There was no
0: longer any feminine promise about it. Two squat, powerful natives wearing razor-sharp creases in their sashes were in the room. They'd opened a trap door on the floor. Yes. I could hear water. They were herding the still-weak natives through it and into a boat that waited below.
5: When
0: yes. the last of them had been sent down, the trap slammed shut. The guards moved toward me.
5: You, get up. You
0: come. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Go. Door. Where to? Where are we going?
3: You go. Princess Negor.
0: Who's Princess Negor?
3: She, High Priestess, His Temple. She, High, Saras. All right, Idiwa.
6: Where will you? Uh-uh, not, the high priestess,
0: Princess Nagor, made a beautiful picture surrounded by the mysticism, the color, the sense of the Temple of the Apsaresis. She lounged languidly on a raised couch. Her costume was in the tradition of early Sita Barry. Her face was beautiful, her mouth stained scarlet, her eyebrows penciled darkly. There was only one thing wrong with the picture. She wasn't native. Her coloring was eye and fair, and she smiled at the surprise I was showing.
6: The Princess Nagor bid you welcome Thanks. The mortal seems surprised at the appearance of the high priestess, direct descendant of Bacarne himself.
5: I'm getting over it.
6: I'm glad. You must have something to talk about since you entered the temple with the rest of my slaves. Yeah,
0: that's right. Family Matthias. I came after him.
6: You won't get him. Captain Carney, he's my own special slave.
0: Maybe if you get down off that throne, we can talk sense, huh?
6: And he's deeply in love with me. You'll see that yourself.
0: What's the deal, Princess. You want money?
6: You want me to pay ransom for him? You insult me, Captain. My income is more than sufficient. I want him near me, and he is quite willing to remain.
0: This is a little thick after the rest of your act. I saw Stan at six this evening, and he was quite willing to be leaving this hole in the morning. Now, what do you want? Shall I make an offer?
6: I want nothing. This life is a lonely one. I saw Stanley on the streets one day. He's handsome and fair and young. I thought to it that I met him. He came to say goodbye tonight and tell me he was sailing with you. But he changed his mind. Now he's here. He will stay here. And live
0: this fake of yours? He's not crazy.
6: Call it fake as you like. Only you miss the fact that it's quite profitable. The six natives who came in with you will bring 40 francs apiece. My turnover each night is between 30 and 50. You look puzzled, Captain. Yeah. Labor in the interior, Captain. The ready market in the mines and the plantations and the gardens of the Mandarins. Under the, uh, sedative you received, they all signed three-year contracts.
0: I'll keep my mouth shut about what I think of that, princess. All I want out of here is Stan. Prisons are tough on the equator. I don't think he'd do so well
6: sharing that with you. Captain, I don't want to argue with you. Why don't you talk to Stan? Maybe you remember that's why I came. I really don't know why I bother, except that I like to make righteous men like you swallow their words. I'll have him come in, but in case you have any rash ideas, please remember the guards. I'll try to remember them, Princess. I'll try to.
0: I was almost surprised to see him walk into the room, his husky body erect, his blonde hair neatly combed, his white suit unwrinkled. I don't know what I'd expected, marks of a struggle, I suppose. He crossed directly to her and stood in front of her.
6: Here's Captain Carney Stan. He's come to take you away from me. Do you want to go?
0: He turned slowly from her and faced me. His eyes looked at me, but still through me. The rest of his expression was normal, a half-smile on his friendly mouth, but there was nothing I knew in his eyes or behind them.
6: Do you want to go?
0: No. I'm staying.
6: Well, Captain? Man,
0: your father's waiting on the ship. We're going to leave for North Borneo in the morning. No.
6: Captain, Connie doesn't believe that we mean so much to one another.
0: Megor has been lonely here, and now I've found her, and uh, I know I've been
6: lonely, too. I've heard enough.
0: He's not making
3: sense. Tell
6: me, Captain, what is sense? He's left your world and entered mine, so you don't think it's sense. He'll be happier here than he's ever been before. Yeah, how long does he live in that condition?
0: But you, you're a new high, Princess. You're the filthiest hunk of humanity I've ever met. Captain, don't angle me. We'll talk that over later. Right now, you're going to help me get out of here.
5: God! Get out of the way, God, Stan! Stan. No!
0: Oh, don't touch her! I figured that if I had her in my arms as a shield, I could keep the blades of the guards away from you. But Stan, half-crazed, half-conscious, and still following her will, blocked me away from her. I tried to sidestep him just as the guards got to me. Sword heels hit the back of my head and staggered me forward. Two pairs of arms took me, pushing forward on my elbows and back on my wrists. The pain streaked to
5: my shoulders, and I stopped struggling. Hold up, on you
6: end I've warned the guards I want no blood here out of no kindness to you. That's fine. I'd be ashamed to accept... You realize, of course, Captain, that since you bothered to come here, you're a great menace to me and my temple. I'd be a foolish priestess to allow you to escape. Yeah, but you're close to the end. There'll be a whole crew coming if I don't get back. I've arranged for a boat that will arrive for you soon. So bear in mind the next time you fall asleep in your aromatic little chamber that the punishment for those that defile my temple is a watery one... And the offender, well-weighted. You're still a new high, princess. And I still will be when you're resting at the bottom of the harbor.
5: Bon dia, Take it! <coughs> Come! <laughs>
0: the advantage over the last time the door closed on me was that at least I knew what was in the room with me and I knew where it came from. As soon as the guards were out of hearing, I knocked the fire ends off of their pedestals. I stomped the charcoal embers that burned under the drug holding a handkerchief over my nose. The smoke didn't lessen any. The activity increased my breathing. I tried to smother them with my sweat-soaked jumper. That didn't work either. But while I was near the floor, I learned that the fumes were heavy and stronger down there. I climbed up on the pedestals. Groping in the darkness, staggering as the stuff took hold. I found fresher air up there and cleared my wandering mind with it. I tried the sloping ceiling for weakness. Found none. Filling my lungs, I went to the floor again. Groped for the trap door. It was solid and immovable. I found the heavy base of one of the urns. Climbed back on the pedestals to hold out as long as I could. The clean air held for a while but wondering when the strength of the fumes would climb to me made each breath I took an adventure. The relaxation set in. And my dreams were of a canted deck swept by cool spray and clean, fresh air. And I... I shook my head to bring myself back, and shaking it, I wasn't sure whether the sound I heard was real or not. I gritted my teeth to stay with it and heard it again. A movement outside the door. I got to the floor by the time the bar rattled the first time staggered across the room by the time it slid free. was waiting when the door opened and the first guard a ragged his nose walked slowly into the unexpected darkness. When he was in position, I crashed the heavy pedestal base down on his head. I grabbed him as he slumped. The other guard blade held chest high rushed. I lifted the body to take the thrust I left him hanging there, stepped around him and caught the other guard with my weapon before he could recover his stance. I barred the door on him. And went into the high priestess's chamber.
5: What is
6: this? What's happening? Come on,
0: Stan. Step out of it. Let's go.
6: No, you can't. He's going to stay. Where am I going? Come on, Stan. He's going to take you away from me. Stan, don't let him. Fight, Stan. Fight so you can stay with me. Get away
5: from her. Uh, get away from her. Fight. Get away from <laughs> I
0: thought he'd be a pushover in the dream he was living, but I was. <laughs> He didn't land many, but those he did were solid with power. I dropped his head as a target and shot for his throat. He was like dead flesh. He didn't feel anything, and my own weakness was coming back to me. I put one into his shoulder. It that rocked him. I put another on him. And
5: another one. Finally.
0: Then I looked at the princess. She was gone. I unlocked the door that I barred on the guards, then I went to the big fire urns in the entrance hall, tilted them so that the flames licked up the walls, bent down, threw stand over my shoulder, and left. <laughs> I only stopped to look back once, down toward the other end of Bejeraburi Street. Healthy flames were licking up through the roof of the temple of the Apstorites, and excited crowds were running toward it.
5: I went
0: back to the ship. Well, I hope we haven't delayed you too long, Captain. It's long after your planned dawn departure. Oh, no. We have plenty of time, Mr. Mathias. But I did want to see you. The doctor sent Stan up to a hospital in Saigon, and he was almost back to normal before he left. He um, says he hopes you understand, Captain. (laughs) If anybody does, I do. I got a whiff of that stuff myself. Uh, He doesn't remember a minute of it. No. Mm. Well, you tell him for me he's lucky. And that the French officials got his girl. She started life as plain Hortense Croft in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's quite a descent from that to High Priestess of Berea. Huh? Uh,
5: yes, uh, yes,
0: I'm... Uh, I'm uh... Yeah, I'm sorry, too, mister. Uh-huh. That it happened and that you can't make the crossing with it. Uh, Captain, one is so <laughs> uh, limited in Berea, but uh, I'd like you to have this.
4: Hmm?
0: Well, splashes. Sounds good. Thank you. And, of course, anything I'd say in thanks would be completely uh, insufficient. But, well, Captain, if you ever get to Nevada, we'll try in some way to repay you. Wow, thanks. I'm in uh, mining, you know, just outside Ely. And if you ever get sick of this life and want to settle down, just let me know. My my hand on it, Captain, I promise you a position. I'll <laughs> keep that in mind, Mr. Messiah. I'll
5: yes.
0: keep that in mind. 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 The low coastline of French Indochina on our stern, and started to trap the breeze that pushed its jungle smells Stand by to us. To make it was a long leg ahead of us to Port Moresby, and the crewmen, looking forward to the even flow of sea life, snapped to their stations at red command.
5: Chiefs, make sail!
0: shook itself restlessly and went caught as it bent into the wind. The jib snapped out. The mizzen swung into place. The lee rail settled down toward the churning water, and the Scarlet Queen took the bone in her teeth and fought the swells that rose up before her. Ah, she's a great ship, Skipper. She likes her work. Yeah, she'll do for me. (laughs) Well, what are you going to do with her in Nevada, Skipper? I hear they got a desert there. Oh, well, that's when I get sick of this life, remember?
5: <laughs> I don't know, Skipper.
0: He's probably got a good, soft desk job for you and a wealthy daughter for you to marry. Well, is that bad? Then I could subscribe to Yachting Magazine. No. No yachts in Nevada.
5: <laughs>
0: but you could do your traveling in a deck chair on one of those big ocean lines. Oh, stop it, Red. You're making me seasick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he did hit one vital spot. Yeah? The bottle he gave us. Better try it, huh? Yeah. He's got a heart. (laughs) And a sadder but wiser son. But we got a ship. Here, Skipper. To the queen. To the scarlet queen. After you, mate. After you. entry the catch scarlet queen 5 30 p.m. wind brisk sky fair mainsail and mizzen reefed ship secure for night sign Philip Carney master Will invite you to sail into further adventure on the voyage of the Scarlet Queen next week at the same time. Porto Call, Rabaul, New Britain. The Scarlet Queen stars Elliot Lewis as Phil Carney with Ed Max as Gallagher, and tonight featured Gloria Blondell as the Princess with John Daner and Ben Wright. Music scored and conducted by Richard Arant. The Scarlet Queen, produced by James Burton, is written by Gil Dowd and Bob (laughs) Tallman. The system of our country is in the midst of a very real and very dangerous crisis. There are two million children of school age who should be in school, but are unable to attend because of the lack of facilities. Look into the school conditions in your own hometown. They may need your aid. This program came to you from Hollywood. Stay tuned now for another mutual favorite, Quiet, Please, which follows in just a moment. (laughs)
1: And that's this week's Mutual Presents feature. The Mutual Audio Network brings the best of old-time radio and modern audio theater to the world. Be sure to subscribe through the Mutual Audio Network podcast feed, any of our podcast days, or the Mutual YouTube channel, which includes MadCon and many other extra features and shows. See you all next time at Mutual Presents. Good night. Thank you for listening to Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. We invite you to continue the amazing audio tomorrow on Mutual with the Monday Matinee. Our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio dramas. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed every day for the world's largest curated collection of audio drama, or find the Monday Matinee feed in your favorite podcast players. See you tomorrow at the Matinee, and thanks so much for listening. The Mutual Audio Network.